Hey everyone, as you probably guessed by the title of the episode, this is going to be a fairly sensitive and serious topic, so make sure that you are kind of prepared for that and in a place where the things that I'm going to say are not going to cause problems with people around you. For those of you who always look forward to a joke in my episodes, obviously I'm not going to start off with one, but I don't want to leave you hanging, so if you're here for the funnies, make sure you stick around for the very end of the episode for what is sure to be a hilarious and brilliant joke. But as always, my name is Ray Burns, and I want to equip Christians to think biblically about every area of their lives so that they can keep growing in spiritual maturity. And today, I would like us to think biblically about the topic of suicide, and more specifically, whether genuine Christians can commit suicide. And I make that qualifier of genuine because very few of us are strangers to the reality that people who have at least proclaimed to be Christians, whether a churchgoer, whether someone we grew up with, whether it's a pastor, we've seen people who fly the flag of Christianity and they end their life. And so the question we want to ask isn't, can Christians commit suicide? Because obviously they can. But if you are truly saved, if you are genuinely a Christian and more than just name, can you truly end your life? In other words, is is the ability to commit suicide evidence that someone is not saved or does not have genuine saving faith? And I will be honest, this topic is a bit personal for me. Um, I've shared in the past that I have struggled with depression for the majority of my life. Um, and, you know, I've talked about uh, in a previous episode on how I survived depression. So if you want to know more about that, I will uh, list the date of that episode down below. But with that, I am also familiar with trying to commit suicide. And so this is a thing that, you know, I don't want it to be a personal thing. It's not about me. Um, you know, I may do a follow-up episode where I share a bit more personal things, but I just want to say that this is something that I've had to think long and hard about in my own life on how suicide and Christianity exist in the same world and whether a genuine Christian can kill themselves. Now, in a broad sense, when I, when I read or hear other people talk about this topic, a lot of times, those who would say that, no, a genuine Christian could never kill themselves. So if someone killed themselves, that is clearly evidence they weren't saved. I will hear this come from, I believe, two different kinds of hearts or motivations. There are those who will say these things, and they have very good intentions. Maybe they haven't thought through the implications of what they're saying by saying that, a genuine Christian can't kill themselves, how is that impacting other people? How is that impacting their theology? And how does that align with what we see in God's word? Uh, there may also just be kind of a lack of grace or gentleness in their thoughts. You know, they are, you know, a lot of people are very quick to speak, especially online, and just kind of give their emotional response and assume that that is truth. Maybe they will share something they've heard someone else say, and without thinking about it, they'll just share these things, thinking they're just having a casual conversation. Again, not thinking through how they are representing Christ and what they're saying, and how those words are having an impact on those around them. Uh, I'll also see people with good intentions want to use this as a way to 
basically stop someone from committing suicide. They will, you know, when, when we're desperate, we will say things that we think are helpful, even if they are extreme, even if they may not even be true, but we will do whatever it takes in a situation like that to try to protect someone, to try to keep them from taking their own life. And so we will tell someone, you know, if you know, you're a true Christian, so you can't kill yourself. Or maybe we'll even say, you know, if you if you kill yourself, you forfeit your salvation. And so it will it will be said and people will be told this or hear this because, you know, someone is saying it out of what they feel is a loving place, but again, not fully thinking through what it is that they're actually saying or teaching. Now, on the flip side, we will also see this discussed in very bad ways or from very sinful heart motivations. A lot of people will be very judgmental and they will look down and they will they will think less or or think more themselves when they compare themselves to someone who is struggling with desiring to kill themselves or someone who actually has. And so they will just be very prideful and arrogant about it. They might think, you know, well, I don't struggle, so how can they? I mean, we all have stresses in our life. We all are worried about money or other people get sick. You know, why are these people so weak that they can't just deal with it? Why can't they be tougher? Why can't they love God more like I do? And so they will, people will just assume that because they don't understand the reality of wanting to take your own life, that there must be something wrong with that person. And so they will essentially just resort to shaming them and saying, you know, if you were a better Christian, if you were a better man, if you were stronger, if you weren't so weak and pitiful, you wouldn't want to kill yourself. And so the actuality of these discussions that I often run across is that Whatever a person's motivation for saying what they say, in the end, what they're typically doing is they are speaking about something that is very life-changing without thinking about it. And when I say life-changing, I don't just mean for the person who wants to end their life, but for all those people that are impacted by that person, either who does kill themselves or who wants to and just the the stress and the pain and the worry and the sorrow that it causes in people around them who are trying to love on them. And so I want us as followers of Jesus Christ to be very careful that we are not declaring something that God has not declared. We don't want to say this is what is or isn't salvation. This is what is evidence of salvation. We don't want to place that judgment in our hands and say that God has said something that ultimately he hasn't revealed in his word. Now, what I want to start by doing, though, is look at some common arguments that people will make for why, if someone wants to kill themselves or does kill themselves, why they are not saved. Now, the first argument people will make is that someone who wants to commit suicide wants to be lord of their own lives. Or in other words, they want to place themselves above God. They want to live out their preferences. They want to do things and ultimately take fate or their destiny or their lives into their own hands and say, you know what? I know better. I know God doesn't want me to kill myself, but I, you know, this is what I want. And so I'm going to end my life before God has declared my life to be at an end. And so they will essentially, you know, the phrase is often they will play God. They will choose who lives and who dies. 
And the reason that people would say, well, this is evidence that someone's not saved is that clearly they are not surrendered to Jesus Christ with this action. Because if they were surrendered, obviously they would not do something that God hates. They would not commit murder because that's what suicide is. At the end of the day, it is murder against the person themselves. And so that's evidence number one is that they... To, to kill ourselves, to commit suicide, is to place yourself above God and what he has ordered and what he desires for us. Now, the second evidence that people will say is that if you commit suicide, you are proving that you lack faith. Now, to dig deeper into where they get that, the ultimate reality is that suicide has one goal, and that is to escape something. Maybe you want to escape pain, whether emotional pain from, you know, losing a loved one or having a bad relationship or, you know, just, just a lifetime of struggles. Maybe it's actually physical pain. You know, maybe you have cancer or chronic pain or something like that. Maybe you're wanting to escape hopelessness. You're looking at your financial situation. You're looking at the world itself, whatever it is, and you just see no hope. You see no purpose in pressing on. Maybe it is because of loneliness. You know, someone is just spending years and years of their life, you know, maybe they're 30, 40, 50 years old, still unmarried and, you know, kind of moving hand in hand with hopelessness. They just feel like, you know, I just, I I need someone in my life to be happy and God's not giving me that. And what is the point of living if I just have to be lonely and hurting and struggling in this way? Or maybe someone will just want to escape living in fear. Whether it's living in fear of an actual person, you know, you will see especially maybe, um, you know, younger kids or, or teenagers who will end their life because of, you know, fearing, you know, going to school or living in the home that they live in. Maybe it is, again, living in this world. Maybe it's a fear of the future. Maybe it's just a fear of a present circumstance and not seeing how you can escape it or get out of it. But whatever it is. As Christians, we should look at these situations, whether it's pain, hopelessness, being lonely, being afraid of things in our lives or of the world. We ought to look at those things and say, I know this is scary. I know this is bad, but I know that God is in control. I know that Jesus Christ hasn't forgotten me. And that should be enough to get us through those things and to help us to be hopeful and to see, if you will, the light at the end of the tunnel or to see brighter days ahead. But someone who kills himself looks at those situations and says, I have no other choice. There's nothing else I could possibly do. There is no escape from this. The only way I can have freedom, that I can have satisfaction, that I can escape from this this pain or this suffering is to end my own life. And so when someone thinks that way, what they are essentially saying is that Christ is not in control because if they believed that, then they would know that if this is happening, it's by God's design. It's, it's, possible for them to rely fully on God, even if they don't understand God or why he's doing what he's doing, they can still trust and rest in that reality. And so if someone does not have faith for their circumstances, for their life, so much so that they would take an extreme action to escape it, then that is evidence that that person never had faith in the first place. They never, if they don't have faith in Christ for their circumstances, then clearly they must not have had faith in Jesus Christ to save them from the penalty of their sin. Because obviously, if Jesus Christ can save us from the weight of all of our sin, 
clearly we should be able to trust that he can save us from what's happening now. And then finally, um, a way that people will argue that suicide is evidence that someone was never saved in the first place is that suicide is the ultimate display of sin. It is ultimately selfish because what it is, is it's saying, I know that I have a life of people. I know that God wants something different for me. I know that ending my life will have effects on people for years to come, but I don't care. I want it. And so I'm going to do it. And so suicide is ultimately just a display of us making our own desires the most important thing. It is us saying, I am more important than anyone around me. I am more important than God. And that shows just how sinful we are, that we are willing to change the lives of our parents, our children, our friends, the people at our church. And you know, if we look at history, if we look at data, when someone in a family kills himself, especially a parent, then that will run the risk, a very high risk maybe, of setting up a cycle in a family where their children have then been exposed to the reality of suicide and are much more likely to end their own lives as well. And on and on that cycle will go until it gets broken. And so this shows that a person who would kill themselves cannot possibly be saved because that is all coming from a heart of selfishness and it's ultimately coming from a very hateful heart because you know how can we hate people in our lives so much that we would cause them that much pain if we've been bought by the blood of Christ if we have the holy spirit living inside of us the argument would be that someone can't hate that much and so those are the big evidences that I always run across when people are arguing that someone cannot possibly be saved if they kill themselves. And obviously there are more arguments that we can make, but I think that any discussion is going to boil down to what those three arguments represent. And that is that someone who kills themselves is either not surrendered to God, they lack faith in Jesus Christ, or the act itself is so sinful that no Christian could possibly be capable of doing something so horrendous and so absolute. And so all of that points to the reality that someone who kills themselves is no true follower of Jesus Christ because a true Christian just couldn't possess these traits or a heart like this. And so suicide is just an evidence of someone not being saved. Now again, that is the argument that people will make. But here's what I want to say. If that is true, that doing something because we're not surrendered or we lack faith or because we're so sinful, if that is evidence that someone is not saved, then we are all going to hell. Because if that is how we are judging someone's salvation, then none of us are truly saved. Because let's be real, suicide is extreme. It is an ultimate decision that there is no coming back from. There is no way to repent of it. There is no way to, to go back. There's no way to fix it. Once it's done, it is done. In suicide, it's not an impulsive thing. Even if someone does end their life and everyone around them says, oh, you know, I can't believe it. I never saw it coming. You know, it just came out of nowhere. Suicide doesn't come out of nowhere. Suicide is a result of a cascade of events and compromises and thoughts that lead to a decision. So whenever anyone ends their life, no one just wakes up one day and says, huh, it's, it's 6.05, you know, maybe I'll end my life today. You know, there's no, no, 
there's nothing about suicide that just comes out of nowhere. It is always something that an entire life, you know, maybe it's been months or weeks, maybe it's been years, but, but a person's life has been building and their mind and their heart has been building towards this decision that seems like the only decision they can possibly make. And let's also face the reality that suicide is sin. You know, obviously, I'm going to be making the argument that suicide is not evidence of a lack of salvation, but I don't want to gloss over the fact that suicide is sin. It is, it is murder. It is the taking of a life. It is the ending of an image bearer of God. It is selfish. It is very selfish. It leaves a wake of devastation that can echo through generations. It can hurt those in our lives and forever change a person's life. And sin is evidence of doubt or a lack of faith. It is us saying, I don't believe that God is working in this. I don't see how God can possibly do any good. I, I don't believe that what God has for me is better than what I desire right now. Those are all realities that play in to suicide. But here's another thing. We, we look at suicide as this very unique thing. We think that we have all these other sins that God can forgive and that Jesus Christ's sacrifice can pay for, but not suicide. Suicide is just too much. It's too extreme. There, there's no way that someone can commit that particular sin and still be saved. But that's not what we see in God's word. Look at 1 Corinthians 10.13, which says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Now, what I want to really zero in on is the first five words of that verse, because they are huge, and they point us to a reality that we need to consider when we're talking about suicide. Now, the first two words is that no temptation, right? No temptation has overtaken you. And no temptation means just that, that no temptation is unique. There is nothing, there's no temptation out there. Even the desire to end your own life is not some uncommon thing. Now, the circumstances leading to that might seem unique. It might seem like no one has faced what we've faced. But what our temptation is to those circumstances, how we are responding is very common. The, co the core reality of suicide is a common desire for people because what is involved in someone wanting to end their life? They are living in some kind of fear. We all know what that's like to live in fear, to give in to fear in some way or another. It is a display of hopelessness. Again, I'm going to argue that we all experience hopelessness and even surrender to hopelessness and act sinfully because of that. It faces loneliness, a thing that many people are familiar with. It is a response to some kind of suffering. And again, we all suffer, but just because we don't all respond to suffering with a desire to end our lives doesn't mean that we all respond sinlessly to our suffering. Because ultimately, what suicide is, is it's a desire for happiness. And that might sound insane because how can how can someone be happy by killing themselves and i want to share a quote by an old theologian named blaise pascal he says all men seek happiness this is without exception whatever different means they employ they all tend to this end 
The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves. Now, obviously, a quote from a theologian is not scripture, but what he gets at is a reality that we see in God's word. You know, in James 4, it talks about how we are sinning because of our desires within us. And that's what Blaise Pascal is getting at right here, is that everything we do, every action we take, whether actions of righteousness or actions of sin, everything we do is a desire to find happiness. We do that thing because we believe that it promises us something that we want. So he talked about why some people go to war and some avoid war. Whoever is wanting to fight or whoever is wanting to fight for peace, both of them are doing it with the same motivation. And that is because they believe that that will bring their ultimate happiness or satisfaction. It will give them what they want. And so even someone who ends their own life ultimately does it because they see no other option. They see no other way to be content, to escape pain, and to ultimately be happy than to abandon absolutely everything else. Because despite any other good things that may be present in this life, their ultimate desire is for a greater happiness, a greater satisfaction that they just can't find here. And so here's the argument that I want to make for this part is that suicide, again, is very extreme, is is a terrible thing and it's devastating. But all it ultimately is, if we're thinking about it biblically and theologically, is that suicide is simply a response to our circumstances. It's a sinful response to what's happening in our lives. And it is a display of idolatry in that we will sin to get something that we want because happiness or freedom from pain or salvation from suffering is our ultimate desire. And we will do whatever it takes to get that thing that we desire most. And we all handle this differently. I mean, take, you know, a, a bad relationship, a stressful job, money problems, emotional pain, physical pain. Think of how we process those things, how we respond to them. Some people get angry. They will live in anger whenever, or maybe whenever these situations come up, they will just immediately explode and take it out on their family, their friends, people on the road, whatever it is. Other people might hide and they will, they will lose themselves in a TV show or a movie in order to escape these circumstances because they aren't acting in faith. They aren't trusting in God. There is something painful that they want freedom from and TV offers that freedom that they desire most or social media. Same thing. We will just get lost scrolling through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram because that offers us freedom. That offers us salvation from our struggles and from our suffering, from our pain. Other people will turn to substances, whether it's alcohol, drugs, becoming addicted to painkillers, whatever it is, we will say, I hurt, I struggle, I want to, I want my mind or my body to be free from these things. And we will do things, we will, we will turn to substances in order to save us, in order to be our savior. Or some people will turn to suicide and that is their escape. Now, again, I said, yes, suicide is extreme because you can come back from getting drunk. You can come back from binging Netflix for four hours a day, every day after work. You can come back from yelling at your kids. 
You can't come back from suicide. I get that. But at the same time, all of these are coming from the same motivation. And that motivation is idolatry. It is a desire to have our own wants met. It is a desire for something other than Jesus Christ to save us from our circumstances because we are not acting in hope and in trust and in faith in him. We aren't turning to him. We turn to something else. We turn to anger, TV, social media, substances, suicide. All of us are always turning to something to save us from whatever negative thing is in our life. And if we're not turning to Jesus Christ, we're going to turn to something else. What we turn to is unique to each of us, but suicide is not some super sin that is somehow a unique evidence that someone is not saved. It is extreme, it is painful, but it is ultimately simply a display of idolatry in our hearts. Now, the last three words of this Corinthians passage to talk about is, it says, no temptation has overtaken you. Now, who is he talking to? Well, he's talking to us. He's talking to followers of Jesus Christ. It says that God will provide an escape from whatever temptation comes our way. In other words, we as followers of Christ are not required to sin. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, if we are trusting him with our circumstances, with our situation, with our lives, then we do not have to respond sinfully. We don't have to give in to that temptation to drink, to get lost in social media, or to end our own lives. We are not required to because Christ has set us free, and God gives us an escape. Now, maybe that sounds incredibly unhelpful because, well, if God gives us an escape and someone kills themselves, clearly they're not having faith. Clearly they're not trusting Jesus Christ, right? And in that moment, yeah, that is evidence that they lack faith. But guess what? Not a single one of us consistently lets Jesus Christ deliver us from our temptation. I don't do it, and I know that you don't do it. Because every single time that you sin, whether you're aware of that sin, or if it's the hundreds of sins you commit every day that God has not revealed to you yet because he's still working through other sinful aspects of your life, Every single time we sin is because we are acting outside of faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We are trusting in something else to bring us happiness, to bring us satisfaction, to offer us a salvation from the thing that we want to escape the most. Because the reality is that none of us are righteous. None of us are good. None of us are perfect. And so when we look at these arguments that salvation and suicide are not compatible, that if you kill yourself, you are clearly not saved. What are these arguments really saying? You're not letting Jesus Christ be Lord of your life. You are not living in faith and you're sinning. Well, that's us. That's us every day. None of us can look at our own lives and genuinely say that we consistently let Jesus Christ be Lord. And we confess that with every moment and every action in our lives. Think about Philippians 4, verses 10 and 11. It says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How many of us can claim that as an accurate representation of our lives? That today, on this earth now, not in the future, but now, we bend our knee, 
we bow and we confess with every moment, Jesus Christ is Lord, and so I'm going to do this. Jesus Christ is Lord, so I'm going to respond in this way. No, the moment you are angry, you are not claiming Jesus is Lord. You are claiming that you are Lord, that you know God hates anger, hates drinking, hates whatever sin that you're struggling with, looking at pornography, being lazy, whatever it is. You know God hates those things, but you are not surrendered to Jesus as Lord in that moment of sin. The moment we act in sin is the moment that we take control from Jesus and say, no, I am God. I know what's better for me than you do. So if suicide is evidence that someone's not saved because they are acting as the God of their own life, then we're all in trouble. Or how about the the idea of you clearly lack faith? Well, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we walk by faith and not by sight. How many of us genuinely walk by faith? Now, in a broad sense, yes, obviously we live a life of faith, but how many of us moment by moment are acting in pure faith in God, not understanding things, but knowing that God is who he is. And therefore, even if we don't understand a circumstance, even if we don't understand a situation or why God wants us to read our Bible, why he wants us to pray every day, why church is important, why we need to serve, why we need to not give in to a temptation. How many of us say, I don't understand it, but I trust you, God, more than I trust my reason, what makes the most sense to me, or I trust you more than I trust my own desires? Well, again, the moment that we sin is the moment that we show that we don't have faith in God and what he desires in that situation. And finally, suicide is a major sin. Well, we've already talked about why suicide itself isn't unique or special, so all we can say is that if someone sins... By committing suicide, they're clearly not saved. Well, again, that is not looking good for us. Romans 8, 12 to 13. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are not obligated to sin. Whenever we say, oh, I couldn't help it, I couldn't help getting angry, I couldn't help you know, visiting that website, I couldn't help being lazy, I just, I can't control myself. No, we can. Through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living in us, we can choose to not sin in every situation in life, not by our own power. I want to make that very clear. It is not that God makes us so super righteous or super good on our own power that we can escape sin or escape the temptation to sin. It is through Christ that we have been set free from our bondage to sin, and we can put to death the deeds and desires of our flesh, of our sinful nature, and instead live in the spirit. But we don't. And any sin, no matter how extreme that sin seems, any sin that we give into is our purposeful choice because of either in that moment or over a long period of time, We have been not surrendering. We have not been living by faith. We have not been walking in the spirit. And as a result, a certain temptation seems so overwhelming, not because we don't have a choice, but because we've been living as though the the reality of God is less important than what we want. And so, you know, if we live, spend a lifetime living for ourselves, even as Christians, then when a temptation comes up to satisfy our flesh, of course, we're going to give in to it because what have we been doing for the past 
10, 15, 20 years of our lives. Maybe we'll go to church. Maybe we'll read our Bible. But if the majority of our lives are spent in surrender to pleasing our flesh and not surrender to God, then it should be no surprise that we give in to some major sin. And so when we're talking about this, when we're thinking about suicide and how someone can do it, we have to realize that we are all stray sheep. We all live like God's enemies. None of us are righteous. None of us walk and live perfectly. And a lot of us may even sin in ways that people would say, oh, that's not that bad. That's not that big of a deal. But it is. Every sin is a big deal because every sin is our choice to reject the truth of God, give in to our idols, and live for us instead. We make ourselves God every time we give in to sin. And this is why we need Jesus Christ. We don't just need him for the moment of salvation, but we need him in our daily living for salvation in every moment of our lives. Because the reality is that our sin nature, our flesh, is at war with the spirit of God in us. We are, by default, lovers of sin. And so when Christ sets us free, it's not that he will just make us perfect and sinless, but that he gives us the ability to choose something other than our default. We are set free from the obligations of sin and we can choose righteousness. But if we sit here and we say, oh, someone did this particular action, so they are not saved, or they are tempted to commit suicide, clearly they're not saved. If we're really going to say that we are not saved because of an action or a temptation that we have, then none of us are saved. Yes, suicide is extreme, but it is just, at the end of the day, an expression of sin. It is the culmination of many compromises, many moments of lacking faith, many moments of not truly living for God. And when a problem comes up, when there's stress, when there's something that seems so overwhelming, suicide seems like it will save us because when we're sick, we think, oh, the, the greatest happiness I could have would be to not be sick anymore. And since I am sick, I need freedom from it. Or when we're struggling financially, in that moment, we are thinking, man, if I just had enough money, if I had more money, if I could buy all the things I wanted, then I would be happy. And some people might respond to that by saying, since I can't have it, I will find happiness elsewhere. Again, we all respond to these situations differently. Some will get angry. Some will become addicted to work and will spend all their time neglecting their family, neglecting their responsibilities to God or to friends or to whatever, all in the sake of money. However it is that we respond to sin, we still respond sinfully. So to wrap this up, the question is, can a genuine Christian commit suicide? And to answer that, let's ask another question. Can a genuine Christian be angry? Can a genuine Christian lie? Can they commit adultery? Can they be lazy? Can they become addicted or enslaved to alcohol or drugs or TV or social media? And the answer is yes, you can sin and still be a Christian. It is not something we want. It's not something we excuse, but it is a sad and sometimes frustrating reality that we love God and we desire to do good. We desire to do the right thing and the righteous thing, but we don't always. Now, by God's grace, there are times when we do respond righteously, where we do have faith in God, but that's not because we are somehow good people but that's God's work in us. And so when it comes to sin, like I said, whatever it is, none of us sins hastily. If you get angry, if you lust, if you 
abuse substances, if you are addicted to social media or TV, those aren't just things that came out of nowhere. Any sin, whatever it is, is always the result of previous moments of unsurrender in your life. All sin is simply a reflection of the fact that we don't live perfectly by faith. We don't walk perfectly in obedience to God. And so those major sins, those huge acts that we do, are really just a result of a lot of smaller things that have been building up, of a lot of smaller compromises that we've been making throughout our lives. You know, and again, I've, I've talked about this at length in my episode about how I survive depression and how whenever I am depressed, whenever I do have thoughts of suicide, I know that is a trigger. That is a reminder to me that there are areas of my life that I have been living in sin that have quietly and almost invisibly built up to the point that I am responding in this way. So again, I don't say all this to be heartless, to be cruel, to be unloving, or to be judgmental. I am speaking from my own experience. I know that this is true. But at the end of the day, we are talking in this episode about salvation. And when it comes to our salvation, all that matters is Jesus Christ's payment on the cross. A particular sin is not evidence that Christ did not die for us. Nor do we ever want to say that, you know, Christ's death can pay for anything except for that one sin, except for suicide. That's all that Christ wasn't capable of paying for. If Christ has paid the penalty for our sin on the cross, then even someone who has taken their own life, that sin was paid for on the cross. And nothing we can do, no sin that we do, is so horrible or so unforgivable that it can separate us from God and from the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. Consider Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as Christians, Obviously, we don't want to support suicide. I know that in some countries around the world, suicide is becoming more culturally acceptable. And as Christians, we want to stand against that. We want to not support anyone's murder of anyone, even if it's murdering ourselves. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we are discussing the topic of suicide, and especially suicide for Christians, accurately. So... If you're talking to others about suicide, bear in mind everything we've talked about today. The reality that suicide is a sin, but sin cannot possibly be evidence that we are not saved or all of us are in just as much trouble. But if you're here and you're listening to this and suicide is a reality for you, it's something that you've thought about or something that you are thinking about, I want to give you just a moment of comfort and say that that's not evidence that you're not saved. Just like any temptation that we are tempted by is not evidence that we are not saved. However, do bear in mind that just like all sin, suicide is not God's desire for your life. And at the end of the day, all of us who are tempted towards sin must remember that we love and are loved by a good and sovereign God. He forgives us of all sin because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And no matter how 
pleasing sin seems, no matter how much happiness or satisfaction it promises us, no matter how much we think we need to be saved from our circumstances by something other than God, we must remember that Jesus Christ has set us free from our bondage to sin and our obligation to give in to temptation. So whatever your temptation is, whether it's suicide, whether it's anything else, God will provide freedom from it through Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this episode of Onward in the Faith. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the Christian life. If this ministry is a blessing to you, there are three ways that you can support it. You can pray for Ray and Onward in the Faith itself. You can share this episode with others, or you can help with various expenses by visiting patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith or following the link in the show notes. We hope this episode has encouraged you to keep moving onward in your faith towards maturity in Christ. Well, it's been a bit of a heavy episode, and I'm sure there's some people listening who really just want to kind of take a break from this and just do something fun. And if that's you, I've got a great idea. If you would like to have some fun and just relax for, say, 40 days and night on a very large boat, then send me an email and let me know. Because if you are looking for a big boat, I know a guy. Ah, there it is. Classic quality comedy.